Good morning. My name is Josh. If I've never met you and you don't know me, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> um, today is my last Sunday at Christway. Um, so if you, if you hadn't heard the news, uh, our family is moving um, to uh, Pennsylvania, and um, this will be my last time here. So Andy was gracious enough to let me speak, and some of you may chase me out. I don't know, but um, I just want you to know that this is a special place. It, I mean, it really is, and we are so thankful like, I can't tell you how much our family has loved this place, and not just my wife and kids, but my parents. My parents will also be joining us in Pennsylvania, so it's, it's, uh, it's just a bittersweet thing. You know, I stood here four months ago, maybe three months ago, I don't know, and I said, if God said to go, I would go, and I should have learned. I should have learned. I didn't, and, and I'm willing so as hard as, it, hard as it is to go this time, we know it's the right thing. And, and this message this morning, uh, it, it just fits for me. So um, I've, never, I've never preached a message like this in my life. So um, it this message will require something from you. Because we're not just consumers, right? We can't just be consumers of a Sunday thing. It, it, it's not even worth being here for that. So we're, it's going to require something. And, and what I want you to know is it re, it's going to require you to pray about this and meditate on the word and maybe even study the passage that I'm going to read from because this, this might hit you a little. I'm not going to hold back. I don't have to be here again, so I don't have to hear anything. <laughs> so buckle up, literally. And, and if, if the Holy Spirit challenged me with this verse a few weeks ago, three weeks ago actually, and it has not left me since. And we're going to get to that verse at the end of the message, but I stood, in fact, I stood with Christina and I showed her my morning verse and I said, this is, this is going to be something, I think is what I said. I don't know what it's going to be. I didn't know I was speaking, but it is. So if you're sitting there and you're not willing to pray and study and meditate this later in this week, then I ask you not to listen, because I don't want any consumers this morning. You must do that. That's your contract with me. Is my, my last day here, your contract is I will think about this more. I will pray about this, because no longer can we sit and do nothing. No longer does the church have that ability. It, it is not what we're supposed to do. We are not supposed to just come on Sunday and say, yay, pastor, and never think about anything that's said or talked about again. That is not the kingdom of God. Are we, okay? Are we clear? Can we agree to that contract this morning? All right. Okay, so turn. Um, I usually tell a lot of stories about me and myself and my family. I'm not going to tell any stories about that. So open to Luke 14. I'm going to read out of the message. And as we get ready for that, Make sure, again, I'm going to remind you to take this to the Lord at the end, whether you agree with me or you think I'm a heretic. Please take it to the Lord. Okay? So I'm just going to start reading, and then I'm going to ask you a series of questions. 
If there's any title, which I don't even do that, but the title is a series of questions. I'm not going to answer those questions. That's your job with the Lord. Okay? So let's read together. One time when Jesus went for a Sabbath meal with one of the top leaders of the Pharisees, all the guests had their eyes on him, watching his every move. Stop. Jesus went to a home of one of the top Pharisees. Do you think he knew that they probably didn't agree? I think he probably knew. Pretty smart guy, being God and all. He knew. Here's your first question. Why do you think Jesus voluntarily went to dinner at a home where there would be critics or even enemies? Not answering that for you again, but why would he go? They did. Would you go? Do you associate with people that don't agree with you? Do you go to their homes? Do you invite them to your homes? Or do we just hang out with people that always agree with us? Let's keep reading. Right before him, there was a man hugely swollen in the joints, in his joints. Other versions say, you know, he had dropsy or edema. Most scholars believe he was placed there on purpose. He was invited to this top Pharisee's house, which was pro- would probably be a really nice house, and he was invited for a reason. So Jesus asked the religious scholars and the Pharisees present, is it permitted to heal on the Sabbath, yes or no? He was being provoked, many believe. I believe that too. The man was invited. He was obviously sick. He was being provoked by the, Phar- by the Pharisees, Jesus was, to see what he would do on the Sabbath. So how do you act when you're provoked? That's your third question. How do you act when you're provoked? Some say it like this. When you're squeezed, what comes out of you? Because when you squeeze an orange, what comes out of an orange? Orange juice. We don't expect poison. We expect orange juice. So how do you act when you're provoked? If Jesus doesn't come out of you when you're provoked, you better answer that question for yourself. I'm not saying we should be perfect. But I can tell you this is so deep for me this last few weeks because of what I've been experiencing. I've been provoked in the deepest ways for me. And for, I'm going to be real, real transparent. Probably for the first time in my life, I've actually responded like I think Jesus might. For the first time. Look how gray I am. For the first time. I've been able, when punched in the gut, to not swing. And that's not my nature, guys. I swing, sometimes first. So I, I'm not trying to be arrogant here. I'm just saying it is a revelation when that happens. To, and it happened to me just, if, just in the last few weeks. Okay? Let's keep going. Verse 7. They were silent. So he took the man, healed him, of course, and sent him on his way. Then he said... Is there anyone here who, if a child or animal fell down a well, wouldn't rush to pull him out immediately, not asking if it was the Sabbath or not? They were stumped. 
There was nothing they could say to that. He went on to tell a story to the guests around the table, noticing how each had tried to elbow into the place of honor. He said, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. I think our... I'm not going to say it. Where are you trying to place yourself is the next question. Where are you trying to place yourself? Jesus is saying, don't try to place yourself. Be humble. Just go and serve. Maybe sit at the very end of the table. That's what I believe he's saying here. It's clear that God places us. It's clear in my life. I never, I literally thought I would never leave Terre Haute. I never thought I would leave South Africa. I never thought I would leave Boise, Idaho. I never thought I would leave. And here I am again, obeying and leaving, and I did not place myself in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, nor what I even, didn't even know if it, really what it was. It's the heart of Amish country. My wife loves the Amish people. I mean, like, we would be Amish if we could be, seriously. In lifestyle, maybe not in belief, but in lifestyle. The simple life. I, but I never thought I would do anything like this. I'm actually going to uh, serve Amish farmers in my job and lift them up. Not something I ever thought I would do. Not, not even have an opportunity to do. Not only that but I get to do what I really love, and that's work in organic produce. And I don't have to actually work in the fields anymore. Where are you trying to place yourself? Keep going. Then he'll come and call you out in front of everybody. You're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this man, red-faced. You'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. When you're invited to dinner, go and sit at the last place. Then when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, come up to the front. That will give the dinner guests something to talk about. What I'm saying is if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. Are you content to be you, is the next question. Are you okay with yourself? And what Andy's been talking about for weeks is, I don't know if he actually said it this way, but do you believe who Jesus says you are? A son and daughter of the king Seated at the right hand of the throne. I think Delhi stood up and said this. Sleep deprived and everything. That's who you are. And we, we can live in that place where everything just brushes right off of us because of who he says we are. Verse 12. Then he turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors. The kind of people who will return the favor. Invite some people who never get invited out. 
the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the resurrection of God's people. Who are you reaching out to? Next question. Who are you reaching out to? It's easy to love the people that love us. Sometimes. And sometimes it's really hard to love the people that don't love us. But who are you reaching out to? And a follow-up question would be, are you even reaching out to anybody? Conversations I've had over the last six months, there's been one theme with people, especially people that, well, people that are complaining about things, whether it be, you know, in work or here at church or in life, they're just complaining. And my response has been, who are you discipling? That's literally our job. That's our co-mission. Commission is to disciple, to make disciples. So you, in my opinion, this is not in the message version. This is the Josh revised version. If you are not discipling anybody, don't complain to me about anything in the kingdom. You're not even doing your job. You're just here. You're a consumer at that point. We should all be discipling somebody. But, but Josh, I don't know enough. I don't either. Andy doesn't either. We all don't know enough. That's why we have him, Holy Spirit, working through us so that at the time, we know enough for that moment. And we don't, we're not caught up in what we know. We're caught up in who he is. And that's how we disciple people. Mindy just told me right here. You know, she's worshiping. She's drawn to somebody. She goes to that person, says, hey, can I pray? Yes, I have a need. Mindy didn't know. She just not like she had a scripture to say, I need to go over to this person and pray. It's just the Holy Spirit working, and the Holy Spirit must be working in your life to be able to disciple others. In these three verses, 12 through 14, Jesus really just said to give without expecting anything. This, this spirit, I believe it's a spirit of entitlement that's within us in our culture is demonic. It's wrong. We are entitled nothing except death and taxes. Nothing. Everything is from him. Every single thing. But Josh, you don't know what I've done. I've spent seven years in, in college. I've got this degree. So do I. It doesn't matter. You are entitled nothing. Unless the king has given it to you. And he's promised it. He's promised it. There's like an open heaven over our lives. If we would just look up and see that God is with us every single day of our lives through the good and the bad. He's there, and he will continue to be there. So we give out of that, not expecting for Elmo to give me something back. But if you want to, you can. It's okay. Verse 15, that triggered a response from one of the guests. How fortunate the one who gets to eat dinner in God's kingdom. Jesus followed up, yes, 
For there was once a man who threw a great dinner party and invited many. (laughs) When it was time for dinner, he sent out his servant to the invited guests saying, come on in, the food's on the table. Then they all began to beg off, one after another, making excuses. The first said, I bought a piece of property and I need to look it over, send my regrets. Another said, I just bought five teams of oxen, in my case, five tractors, and I really need to check them out, send my regrets. And yet another said, I just got married. I need to get home to my wife. The servant went back and told the master what had happened. He was outraged, told the servant quickly, get out into the city streets and alleys. Collect all who look like they need a square meal, all the misfits and homeless and wretched you can lay your hands on and bring them here. The servant reported back, Master, I did what you commanded and there's still room. The master said, then go to the country roads, the highways and the byways. Whoever you find, drag them in. I want my house full. Let me tell you, not one of the, those originally invited is going to get so much as a bite at my dinner party. So, this classic story is the invitation of salvation, I believe. Have we all been invited? Everybody has been invited. But have you accepted the invitation? Let me just say, if you're, if you're in this room, you have not accepted the invitation of salvation. Salvation and freedom are not the same, right? If you have not accepted that, you will have a chance to do that today. I will pray with you. You don't need me to pray with you, but I will. You can do it in your seat right this moment, but I want you to accept the invitation. Why? Because it's the best thing ever. In the ever of the ever, there's, we just know in our knower. There's nothing else you can say. It's the best thing, but you have to accept it. I can invite Peggy to dinner, but if I never know if she's coming, like she never says anything to me, I don't even know. This is what's happening, right? So there's the invitation part. So if yes, I know a lot of you, so a lot of you have said yes to the invitation. Are you showing up to the table? Have you shown up to the table? Or maybe you came to the table and then left. Or maybe you never want to go to the table. Maybe just showing up on Sundays, it's okay. Or have you backed out? Did you send your regrets to the Lord? (laughs) My regrets. Lord, I just got married. I can't come to your dinner. I mean, imagine saying that to the King of Kings and the Lord of Hosts. We wouldn't do that, I don't think. But it needs to get into our spirit, into our heart, that this is what's happening in the American church, in the Western church. We all have accepted this invitation of salvation, which is amazing, but we're not sitting at the table. We haven't actually shown up. Not talking about everybody, talking about a lot of people I know personally. It's a back and forth thing, right? We can come to the table, you know, when there's a service project, I'm going to come to the table, sit down. But then the next weekend, maybe I'm not really living for the Lord, so to speak. And the reason I'm saying this is because I did that for many, many, over a decade. So I know I have experience there. 
And are you backing out in this very season? That's the next question. Part of sitting at the table is serving one another. Part of sitting at the table, accepting the invitation and coming, is loving. It's giving of yourself. It's not putting all of your stuff first. It's being willing to go. We're just, dumb, we're just kind of getting our feet wet into the pool because the next few verses are going to get hard. But if you aren't at the table, the next part of, the, of Luke, is not, Luke 14, is not for you because you won't even consider it. Remember that the food is already there. Everything you need is at the table. It's very nice to live in Terre Haute, Indiana. A lot of people that are Hoshans complain about it, honestly, that I've been around. But if you, let me be real, because this is my life. Trying to buy a house in Pennsylvania versus Terre Haute, Indiana, very, very different experience. By a long way. Not complaining, but let's be thankful for where God placed us and be willing to go when he says yes. The excuses that were, Jesus talked about uh, were made about material possessions. That's why I couldn't come to the table. Um, my family, uh, my land, you know, my, um, where I am in life. I just can't do it. My heart. And I have empathy for that. But sometimes we just have to get our butts in gear and go. Sorry for the harshness, maybe, but we just have to do it. And those that, are, that have strength, the leaders, whether you're in a position or not, if you have a strong relationship, grab those with you and take them. That's discipleship. Let's go. We're going. You're coming with me. I love you, so you're coming with me. Get out of your mire. Get out of your muck. Jesus has got you. We're going together. I think we're at verse 25. Got plenty of time. Andy said I had till 2. So, and we have a showing on our house, so I can't go home anyway, so we're going to be here. One day when large groups of people were walking along with him, okay, so he's left, he's left the dinner, right? He's done, most of this, this chapter is in red letters, just so you know, so it's Jesus speaking. But we've left the house of the Pharisee, and he's walking with people, and he turned and told them, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. Can't. He said can't. Cannot. That's a strong, strong verse. Here's what he's saying. There's nothing more important than me. 
And over my time as a, I'll say, churchgoer, not a believer, and then as a believer, I can't, I just know people that will not give up anything. They just won't give up anything. They're faithfully Sunday churchgoers, but they will not give up their lifestyle for him. They would not give up their job. Would you give up your job today? If you were, came to the altar and Jesus said, quit your job today. I can't tell, I bet I can name two, I know of two people that come to mind that I've ever seen that happen. And one of them doesn't live in the United States. And God just said, I need you to quit. And I don't really have anything for you. Or he didn't know of anything, one I'm thinking of. His name is Duncan. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not, I am going to tell you that story. I told you I wasn't, but I am. Duncan is a, is a pastor friend in South Africa, wonderful man. I, I was able to travel, travel the great Karoo in South Africa with him, one of a, a great friend. I still talk to him on the phone. And he had a job at Petro SA, which is like the chemical company. It's like the uh, gas company in South Africa. Really, really good job. Like, very good job. Made a lot of money. God told him to quit. So he quit his job. He had nothing. Like, he had no money. And he just quit without anything. And I asked him about a month ago. I talked to him on the phone. I said, how's that going? This was several years ago already. He's like, it's going great. I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, I never have to worry about anything. I'm all, my bills are always paid. I always have food. But that doesn't seem like our culture. It seems like, well, we got to have something lined up, right? Because we have those conversations. What are you going to do next? I don't know. That never comes out of our mouth. And I'm not saying we should be irresponsible. I'm just saying God is calling us to something. But if you're unwilling then you'll never know. Next question is, are you able to die to self? In 13 days, I leave Terre Haute by myself. My family's staying for a while, hopefully not very long, or I may die. I'm a good cook. I just don't like to for myself. But you can please pray for me. I haven't been like on my own, like a single guy. I mean, I won't be single, but I'm going to live like a single guy for a long time. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but I won't have anybody to go home to. I'm going to have to die to self in this moment. I'm already preparing myself to be more disciplined and work out and cook for one, which I don't even know how to do that. It sounds crazy, but in my experience, that's what I have to do. I'm willing to do it. I also am going to a foreign land, so to speak, right? It is a different world. Um, it's just not like Terre Haute. And there's a lot of things that draw me in, the, in a place like Lancaster, Pennsylvania, especially really expensive food. I'm going to want it all. But 
there's a, there's a thing in you, in me, that says no, that, Holy Spirit, I, I want you to pray that he guides me. I'm not worried about anything immoral. I'm actually just worrying, worrying about things that are good. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Verse 28. Is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure out the cost so you'll know if you can complete it? If you only get the foundation laid and then run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Or can you imagine a king going into battle against another king without first deciding whether it is possible with his 10,000 troops to face the 20,000 troops of the other? And if he decides he can't, won't he send an emissary and work out a truce? Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. So number, next question is, have you counted the cost? I don't know if we talk about this very much. When I'm talking to new believers, I don't know if I talk about this at all, actually. But there is a cost to following Jesus. There really is. There is a cost. Ridicule is, is the simplest thing in my life. But it's the, am I willing to give up everything for him? Am I willing? The disciples, some of the disciples had to give up a whole heck of a lot. But those are stories on pages, and what are you willing to give up? Is he going to ask you all to leave your spouses if you're married or walk away from your children? No, that's ridiculous. It's, it's a heart posture. If I'm going to the table and they're not going with me, do I still go to the table? I mean, will you go? I'm not going to say that. I would, I, my affinity is to sell stories, so I'm trying to hold myself back a lot. Next question is, what do you hold so dearly that you cannot bear to give up for Jesus? What is so dear to you that you won't give it up? Or, or you may say, I've heard this so many times, and I know Pastor Andy has, well, he won't ask me to do that. Yeah, he will. If it's between so it may just be reprioritizing. Maybe you need, just need to have your priorities straight. And the priority is Jesus in my life, no matter what. No matter what my job says, no matter what my wife says, no matter what my husband says, no matter if my children are following the Lord or not, no matter what, I will go to the table no matter what. As hard as it is. Because it's hard. Some of you know. So what do you hold so dearly? The greatest danger of holding things before Jesus comes not from what's bad, but what's good. It's easy to see those things in our life that are bad, those bad habits, you know, those immoral things we may be doing. Those are, for most of us, those are pretty plain. But sometimes we're not willing to give up things because it's so good. 
But what's holding you back from the best is the second best. And I'm not, I'm in a place in my life now where I just refuse. If I think it's second best, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going. I want the best, not for me, just for me, but for my family. So is Terre Haute second best? No. But God is, I believe he's got something for us in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, or I would never leave because this, for us, for our family, I would, I would, I could put that in an idol and say, this is perfect. Like, this is where we want to be. We would never question this. We've been in several churches, but this one is great. And if you can't see that, open your eyes. It is great because there's no perfect church. There's no per- you know why there's no perfect church? You're here because you're here. And we're not perfect and we make mistakes. But the value of connection placed by Andy and Melinda here is unique. The value of connection with him and with you, us, is unique. So this is the model that we look for now. Mindy and I will look for forever. Honestly. Some of you are like, well, that's crazy. Well, you're crazy. But that's it. Thank you for laughing. We are all crazy, actually. I mean, let's just be crazy and do it together and use each other's gifts and talents and and just be a body and love each other no matter what. How about it? I mean, if we did that here, if we we were literally able to die to self, all of us would just die to ourselves and just love each other, put ourselves out there, not worry about what people are thinking about us, right? this place would just explode. And the love, you could probably drive by and feel the love. Wouldn't, you want, wouldn't that be awesome? Do it. Because when I come back to visit, I think on October 28th, because I'm going to Nate Bargatze in Indiana, in Indianapolis with my friends. Can't wait. When I come by, I want to feel it. So just do it. That's what he's literally saying. Verse 34. Man, I got lots of time. It's only 11.15. I got two hours. (laughs) Or can you imagine a king? Oh, that's not it. 34. Salt is excellent, but if the salt goes flat, it's useless. Good for nothing. Good for nothing. So are you salty? I really That's one of the questions. Are you salty? Not in our culture. Salty means kind of a different connotation. Maybe it means even a different connotation, you know, down in the Caribbean or Mexico or something. But are you salty? Do you give flavor to those around you? Do you enhance things? Do you lift people up? Do you make it better? Right? Who loves a bland-tasting food? The British. I don't know. but, uh, But... Here in America, we like things that taste good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I hope that my life has given you some salt. I mean, enhanced, 
helped at least, even if I don't know you, hopefully. But if I've spent any time with you, that's, that's what we do. I hope that I've challenged. I hope that we challenge each other with love. <laughs> There's a term we use, and a few of you, a few of you have uh, started using it in our friend group here, I guess, and that's called intense fellowship. So some of you know what I mean and are laughing already. Um, when Mindy and I are maybe not in agreement about something, we may have intense fellowship. Um, I don't like the word fighting, so we use intense fellowship. At the end of our intense fellowship, could last an hour, could last a day, who knows? Could last, and early in our marriage, it lasted several days. But that intense fellowship is a normal human interaction in a relationship. It's how we do it. How are we going to do it? How are we going to intensely fellowship? If you're going to do it, you know, because it's part of that provocation when you get squeezed. <laughs> when you get squeezed, if the poison just comes out of your mouth immediately, then that's the wrong way to do it. But maybe my orange juice is a little tart, you know. The point of this is, if we're dying to self, if we're the salt of the world, everybody in this room should be able to intensely fellowship without getting offended and calling people names and stomping away and acting immature. We should be able to do that because it's, we give up our right to be right. And we put on a cloak of love and we just wrap it around each other. Last part of this, this verse says this. Are you listening to this? Really listening. Are you listening? Given the costs and demands of discipleship, don't be a lukewarm follower of Jesus. Don't do it halfway. It's, I, I can't say it enough, it's not even worth it. It's just not even worth it. Don't do that. I look at some of you, I know you're not doing that, which is so awesome. But I did it for too many years, and it's just not worth the time. Josh, you don't know my personality. It doesn't matter. I don't even actually have to know anything about you, because I know him, and he uses everyone. And he uses all, I mean, just read the Bible. All the people that he used, you're like, what are you thinking? Our human brains are like, don't use that guy. But he did. So he'll use you. So don't do it. If you're a lukewarm Christian, you're misrepresenting Jesus. So are you listening? 
Here's the last question I have for you. After listening to Jesus' words, now again, most of these, not on the screen, but most of these are red letters, just things spoken by Jesus, and they're recorded by Luke, Dr. Luke. Are you ready to follow him wherever he may go? And will you be his disciple? Are you ready to follow and will you be his disciple? I, there's a song that uh, Mindy actually played in the last, I think it was the last Deeper Still, one of the Deeper Still nights. And I, I just want to play that song. Guys, if you could put the lyrics up while you do that, I want you guys to just, if you want to sing along to it, great. But look at the lyrics, meditate. So this is the requirement part, and I'm going to give you time to do this. A few minutes of just think about these questions. Think about your life. Process with the Lord. I'm going to pray. They're going to play that song. And I just want to say, before I pray, from my family to you guys, I am overwhelmed by who you are. Thank you. God, thank you for, for this, oh, this amazing place. May your words just be ingrained in our hearts, I know that we want to follow you, God. So challenge us to follow you wherever you may go. Challenge us to lay down what's in the way. Challenge us to go. Challenge us to love like never before, no matter what. We honor you this morning and only you. In Jesus' name. Thank you.